Hello and welcome to Impact Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Daria Tiesler. Today, our guest is Caroline Walsh, co-founder and CEO of the MindSight Institute, and also an author of amazing book, The Gift of Presence, a mindfulness guide for women. I have invited Caroline because I felt that there is so important time in our life right now that we need to as a woman embrace our presence and it's important to get self-aware and recognize our presence without judgment and Caroline has an amazing history and I believe many of you will resonate with her uh, journey and um, how she was working in a corporate law, um, being a mother. Um, she was uh, living in Japan, learning from monks and what she did discover for herself about mindfulness and how mindfulness can help every single woman, but as well men to live a better and more fulfilling uh, life. Hello, Caroline, and thank you so much for joining Impact Wellness uh, Podcast. Uh, I'm so thrilled to have you, and um, let's dive into our beautiful 60-minute uh, journey with mindfulness. And as I told on my introduction, I really would love to take us into practical understanding and practical uh, insights of um, what is mindfulness, but how to be with mindfulness and how really practice mindfulness for our benefits and especially benefits of women because um, you've got amazing uh, book that just came out, right? It's the gift uh, of presence, right? And I already tell about this book to all my female uh, clients and customers. So yes, let's dive in and my uh, my start and and asking of you was um, to start this mindfulness class with some meditation so we kind of centered ourselves. That's great. Well, thank you for that kind introduction. It's really an honor to be here today, and I look forward to connecting with you and your audience. Thank you so Let's much. start with saying that our being together right now, without the distraction of our devices or looking at our email or otherwise multitasking, which we so often do, that in and of itself is a beautiful, informal mindfulness practice. So I always like to remind my uh, students and uh, anyone interested in mindfulness that it's important to keep in mind we have, of course, formal practices and breath practices and many others from Tai Chi to yoga. But we also have in our ordinary lives, in our 1,440 minutes in a day, opportunities to be present and to practice mindfulness. Yes. So let's begin today with a breath meditation. And if there's anyone listening who doesn't like to focus on his or her breath, 
then perhaps you could decide to pay attention to focus your attention on sounds, sounds that are around you. And maybe also you usually like to do a breath uh, mindfulness meditation, but today you want to try sounds. Uh, please, I invite you to do that. Every day, with, uh, as, as with our lives, it is with our practices, it's different. And what brought you clarity or calm yesterday or an hour ago may not necessarily work, if you will, as well as you had hoped. But this is all part of our path and part of our practice. So assuming you're doing a breath practice, but again, if you are listening for sounds, just listen, see what comes without judging if an unexpectedly loud sound comes, just invite it, welcome it. It's part of what belongs in this moment. And if you are choosing to focus on your breath, take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. The idea is to fully arrive in this moment. Let go of everything that you had to postpone, stop, or otherwise set aside to be here now for this 60 minutes. We all have hectic, busy lives, and one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves is our own presence. There is nothing harming us right now, nothing pressuring us. We can just make uh, the focus of our attention, whether it's our breath or sounds, support us in fully arriving in this space, united together with this group. And as part of this meditation, I would like to also uh, read for you a poem. And this was inspired by a question that I uh, received from Daria before our interview. And uh, I believe the question was something like whether or not we can ever get rid of all of our wanderings and our thoughts. So let's listen to this poem, and then later we can have uh, a bit more of a discussion about it. It's called The Guest House, and it's written by Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes at as comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. She may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. 
And with that, I will encourage you to take another deep breath and a deep breath out, releasing all of that which has come before this moment, fully settling, fully feeling if you're sitting, your feet on the floor, if you're standing, your feet also on the floor, if you're lying down, the contact that your body is making with whatever surface you're on. And if you're listening for sounds, welcome whatever sound has come. Maybe a siren went by. It hasn't ruined your practice. It has simply given you a challenge and it belongs. It belongs in this moment. So with this, I welcome you and hope that as best you can, you will bring your attention back to this podcast every time your mind wanders. And it will, of course. That's part of being human. Thank you for your attention to this practice. That was so beautiful. I wanted to cry at some point, I guess, because you're just letting go. You release and you allowed in yourself, um, or maybe you, yes, you allowed in and you inviting those moments of sorrow, those moments of depression and being not perfect. Um, That's right. I think was, was, is very beautiful and very, very much on, on the spot with what you've picked, Caroline. Because I, I guess, uh, and I want to so much dedicate this uh, conversation to women as, as your book, but also men, because we all struggle from mental issues and emotional issues is not just women uh women think and there is one thing also that um, i appreciate that you shared this because there is so much confusion about how to do mindfulness what is the script right like right said, they are they are practices they are theories they are um, scripts for it but as uh, John Kabat-Zinn said, it, and you confirming that you're saying the same, it's about practicing and making this, like this is part of your life, is not something disconnected from your life because I think this connection makes this very confusing and difficult to follow, right? Yes, and, and I think uh, to that, um, when, when you were talking, what I was thinking is that uh, the mindfulness can become ultimately a way of being, so very woven into the fabric of our days. And the way that works is that when we inhabit states, such as paying attention, focusing, this state can become a trait, a lasting trait that in turn can transform our way of being. So more often we can live in that space. Yes. And yes. as you and your listeners have probably noticed, we can't change world events, the news, the course of the pandemic, what your family will choose to do. Uh, what we can change is our relationship to all of those things and persons. And this is where the real uh, power lies for us and the real optimism and the real benefit in continuing to cultivate 
our mindfulness so that we can increase our capacity to deal with whatever comes our way. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for sharing this. And uh, Caroline, I would like to go into the first question that I normally would ask. What brought you on the path of mindfulness? How did you start? Why mindfulness? Why book writing? Why women? Why mindfulness for women? That's a lot of questions in one. <laughs> yes, um, I know. You know, I'm a lawyer by training, so we would call that a compound question. Yes, uh, let's so, try to answer this compound question well, in a try. short version. <laughs> okay, the short version. It's like uh, peeling an onion, okay? So uh, if you asked me where my practice started a few uh, months ago or even, you know, maybe years ago, I would say, well, of course it started in Japan. I was an English teacher in Japan. I had students who introduced me to meditation. Uh, and in fact, it was an unlikely group of students. I was teaching English to a group of Mazda engineers in Hiroshima, Japan, which was the home of Mazda. And they would go to the temple for retreats and for mindfulness, to practice mindfulness. And they introduced this to me and I went and I found it very beneficial. So. I had for quite a while pinpointed my understanding of mindfulness to that experience in the temple. But as I wrote my book uh, and thought about my book and what I would write about, I realized that my mindfulness practice probably started uh, in, in my childhood when I was growing up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin. I remember so clearly the smells in the air this time of year, the spring, the dirt when it's being plowed. The, my job on the farm was to uh, collect the eggs every day from the hens. I still remember picking up the eggs and feeling that they were warm in many cases, coming out of the nest from under the chicken. All of this, as we started today, is to underline the fact that if mindfulness is a way of being, can become a part of our way of being, then all of these informal practices are highly beneficial for us. So I would say it started when uh, I first could fully have the experience of being aware of what I was sensing and smelling and hearing and feeling. Mm -hmm. And to get to the book, we have to fast forward a few things, uh, one of which is um, I had practiced corporate law for about 15 years. Uh, I have two children. I uh, was a caregiver for my elderly parents um, until they passed away. And so these um, multiple roles that all of us play uh, this, this caused me to go back to what I learned in Japan and to keep this in my life so that I could experience on a daily basis the calmness and the clarity to the best that I could. And I thought there was a message. You, you talk about self-esteem of women and the many roles we play and the many responsibilities we have. And uh, with the um, and I, I, by the way, I'm very happy that you pointed out that the, the book I wrote while focusing on women, mindfulness is for everyone. We all are interconnected and we can all benefit from these practices. 
So when it comes to implicit biases and gendered assumptions, um, so many of us um, are, are very aware from firsthand experience how this has challenged us. So I thought there was a message to get out in the world, which is why I uh, wrote the book, to make the practice as accessible as it could be for the often overwhelmed uh, busy woman. That, that in a nutshell, uh, having experienced myself, um, I know you, you mentioned in one of your questions also about uh, the story I have in the beginning of my book yes. about forgetting balance. Yes, let's talk and about this. Yes, that was so refreshing to see a, um, it turned out to be the Harvard Business Review Journal as I was rushing through the airport with my coffee and my bag and catching a flight one day. I, I just had to stop and purchase this because of the headline, which was Forget Balance. That was just immediately freeing because I was always pursuing balance. I was trying to make as if I had only two things to balance. That makes no sense. None of us has only two things. So it, it was so freeing to think about not having to balance. So when I reframed things for my book to make presence more accessible and I developed the three Ps of the um, purpose, which, which guides us, you know, what, why do we get up in the morning? What's important to us? What matters? And the uh, second P of, of uh, pivoting, our lives are changed, characterized by change and uncertainty. So we have to pivot. We pivot many times every day. But we also do proactive pivots. When we know it would be really best for us to make a change. We humans don't like change. We like our habits. And we also uh, know we have a phenomenon uh, that's part of our being human called uh, uh, neural aversion. And we don't want to jump to something else unless we think it'll be twice as good as what we have. So you can imagine why we feel paralyzed so often when it comes to change. And the final P uh, that uh, really became clear to me, I interviewed over 100 women for my book, and it is pacing, which reminds us to take a longer view of our lives. I think we often try to do it all, all at once. And that is really a tough, tough challenge that we, we, can't, we can't win that one. And so if we can, now that we have longer health spans, and we, if we can keep that front and center and come back to our purpose and determine, well, in this year or these two years or even this month, what is my purpose? What is the most important thing I do? that can lift some of the pressure we feel. Yes, um, I'm just sitting and laughing inside me because uh, when you're talking about um, that balance and trying to pivot and trying to, what was the last uh, P? Uh, pacing. Pacing, right? I'm just saying yes. myself, right? Especially now when I have a two years old daughter, right? And I've been, uh, took, the decision to have a child, I call it decision because everyone has different story. For me, it was a decision, right? 
uh, I always was thinking how I will be able to then continue my career, what I want to do, um, my purpose. I have very clear purpose, right? And, um, and now it's like very big mindfulness since I've got hair. Starting from breastfeeding, I think breastfeeding was one of the biggest mindfulness moments because you cannot do anything. You are sitting with a child and many and very often actually Chiara, my name of my daughter, she reminded me to be mindful. The, the, the best way of her reminding me to be mindful was biting her on my nipple. <laughs> the moment I would pay attention somewhere else, she said, mama, just pay attention. I'm here, right? And, uh, and now it's again trying to juggle this. I call it juggle still because I'm learning how to do it. I don't think it's coming smoothly and maybe never will, right? Is to go with um, being mom the way I want and following my purpose the way I want. So it's the, And I believe that many women who are going to listen to this uh, conversation are going to resonate to, uh, to what we say because running business, being mom, or going to work. Um, and as you said, there are other things in our life, not just work-life balance. And uh, I believe we've forgotten about joy and fun and family, our self-care, spirituality. That's what it's all wellness about. We just focus solidly on life and, uh, and work to make sure that this goes anyway, life. And life came coming probably to only family, right? Family work. And then we are uh, missing uh, some other points. So thank you so much. There are any other uh, kind of hinge from your book, like kind of 3P thing that women should think about or should know about, or maybe should is not the right word, but would be good that they understand and they know and that they are informed. Yes, of course. Uh, let's talk another minute about purpose. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple of things about purpose. We have now a great deal of research that confirms more well-being if we can identify what our purpose is. And first, let me define that. It is, as I mentioned before, it's what gets us out of bed in the morning, what's most important to it to us. It arises out of our values. What, what are the valued goals that we hold? And it isn't one and done. You don't just say, this is my life's purpose and be done with it. It can be evolving. And for each of the many roles we play, you may have a different purpose. The beauty of purpose mm -hmm. is that even on your most discouraging days, and if you have a two-year-old, even if your purpose is to be the most resilient, caring parent you can be, at the end of some days, you're going to feel completely defeated. You will maybe, uh, we're all in this, we, we felt impatient or we, we would have done it so much differently had we had more energy or weren't so distracted by a work emergency or whatever went on that day. But if you do have your purpose front and center and give yourself a break, you talked about self-care uh, a moment ago. And I think it's so important to take care of ourselves in these moments. So you're still with your purpose. You're really a life 
long purpose of being a resilient parent. You will always want to be that for your child. Uh, you will have an adult child one day, and then you will want to be having a relationship with the adult child uh, that is resilient and uh, based in mindfulness. So this um, this purpose can carry us through, and there is a uh, professor at the University of Michigan named Vic Strecker, and um, he wrote a book called Life on Purpose, and he encourages us to just take a little piece of paper and say, my purpose is, with respect to all the things we're doing. And uh, I know I... Um, uh, I'm often reminded, uh, I went on uh, of a story when I'm uh, talking about purpose. I uh, also, when my uh, kids were younger, uh, had I want to be there for them as much as I can and, and, uh, and engage in, you know, activities where I'm fully present. So I had been away on a business trip and then I came back and I had in my mind that I was going to take our son, who was then about four, to the park. And I had this whole thing, it's going to be so good, and we're going to walk there, and we're going to smell the flowers, and it's going to be excellent. And when I got home from the airport, all he wanted to do was sit at the kitchen table and write on his newsprint and sketch and make drawings. So at first, I felt so frustrated, and oh my gosh, this is the time, and I want to kind of catch up. I've been away. Now I want to be a good parent. And as soon as I could let go of those expectations, and as women, we have lots of expectations. We are all trying to be perfect in one way or the other. But if we can lift those, go back to my purpose. Wait, my purpose is to tune into my, my child right now, to be a resilient parent. So with that, I think we can get a lot of strength and a lot of guidance in these moments when we feel overwhelmed or defeated and go back to the purpose. That, that is a very useful um, thing to remember. Uh, I think so, inform uh, so uh, kind of, as you said, useful. It's also uh, what you said that there are many purposes. It's not just one. It's actually kind of, it's very helpful because when you are, let's say with child, that helps me to think that is my purpose. So then I don't feel worst because I don't fulfill purpose <laughs> because I would be thinking only my purpose is my work or only my purpose is to succeed in one way or another one, right? I'm referring so much to uh, the work because again, uh, lots of uh, women that will listen are high on their jobs. They're trying to actually probably step down a little bit from jobs into that other things in life to go this uh, into that so-called balance. Um, but that could be very helpful when we set ourselves many purposes and many as many roles we've got, we can have many purposes. Uh, it's reframing uh, and refreshing for me uh, uh, thinking. So thank you so much. I think it's going to be very helpful. Um, you say in your book, are oh, you right? We don't need to be perfect or problem-free to be present for a moment. What is present and presence and how can we practice presence? That's I really love this good, quote. Oh, good. Yes. And I think anytime we can focus on getting away from perfection, you know, we're doing ourselves a great bit of self-care. Uh, yes, let's, uh, yeah, let's use the definition uh, often quoted of John Kabat-Zinn, whom you mentioned earlier, and it is the paying of attention 
on purpose in the present moment without judgment. And then parenthetically, we could add with kindness for ourselves and others. And so if we break that down, paying of attention as we did with our uh, meditation earlier, focusing our attention, having the intention to do that at this time, without judgment is the one of the challenges because we all come with biases mm -hmm. and our brains like to identify patterns. If we didn't have ways to have patterns and automatic behaviors, we would have to learn how to make our coffee every morning or how to drive a car. But these same ways that the brain functions can get in our way when it comes to something like looking at a situation with fresh eyes or being fully present. So that's where the trying to look anew and not bring in our judgments is so important. And finally, the with kindness piece is so important because it goes back to our care, to being kind to ourselves. Our minds wander. We know now that half the time our minds are wandering. And 90% of that half the time is all about us. We all have a narrative. There's something that we woulda, shoulda, coulda. It's very hard to let go of that wish for a perfect past and to not spend too much time ruminating about an imagined future that will never happen or likely won't happen. So this is, this is what the presence is. And I think you mentioned breastfeeding. I think that's a beautiful example. The experiences that cause us to somatically connect and be in the moment, the experience that, experiences that insist we do that. Yes, it's definitely bringing, bringing to the moment. You cannot just go nowhere. For me, uh, another of the experiences of present moment, and I never uh, realized that until I've learned about uh, mindfulness. I use the word learn, right? Even it's so natural. Um, was when I uh, was playing professional sport. Um, because if I um, bring back the moments of, let's say, 60 minutes of being on the field, I only would be remembering seconds. Only until after a few days when I watched that video to analyze the way I move, the way I play, the way team play, the way we should. Then you're remembering the actions. But in a sport, there is no moment for thinking, as you said, what was on the past and how perfect is going to be the future because there is no time. You just have to be now and then, otherwise you could be missing an opportunity. And I do think that one thing that I so much miss from that time is being able to be present. Because focus on the future goal as an athlete, but that was like, did not cause the urgency was just normal but then the rest was focused so close on what is going to happen 
in that moment. Yeah, and, and I, I think that is um, playing a sport or uh, painting. These are all consuming activities. And I, I want to make a distinction, not to get too specific or too detailed or to confuse anyone. But in my interviews, I would ask um, uh, the interviewee, if they have a mindfulness practice. And a couple of things I learned. One is that many of us are more mindful than we give ourselves credit for. Many busy moms had stories, for example, one woman, single mom, a teenage daughter, and she told the story about how when she came home from work every day, she would just take three breaths before she went in her front door. And she would try to be very present for the breaths as well as for when she unlocks and opens the doorknob of her door. And this served for her as a transition from her work life to her home life. And yet she had said to me minutes earlier, I don't, I'm the least mindful person you know. I don't have a mindfulness practice. So the first thing is for us to give credit to that. The second thing is to not confuse mindfulness with relaxing. Um, relaxing, of course, is also important for us, but it isn't mindfulness. So when you describe, for example, playing a sport and focusing on your action and on your movement and being in that moment, um, that, that is the kind of attention and focus we're talking about. Um, and so it's, um, we, we find uh, for many people, relaxation is a, a result, one of the benefits of mindfulness, but it's not that um, if you're mind wandering, which is also important, but unintentional mind wandering isn't mindfulness. Intentional mind wandering can be because you set out to let your mind wander. Maybe you need a few moments to clear your mind or to uh, just get your creativity flowing. Um, these moments when you intentionally want to let your mind wander is different than when we're really trying to do our work, but our mind is figuring out what we're going to have for dinner. That's unintentional mind wandering that happens to all of us all the time. That reminds me my husband father. <laughs> when we eat breakfast and he thinks already about lunch. Yes, right? there you go. He's in the future. He's, He's in, in the, the future. future, yes, yes. Fantastic. Yes. How can women achieve a state of presence? What are, are there any tips, <laughs> tricks and tips, Caroline? <laughs> yes, well, I think, first of all, it's like physical exercise. You know, when we go to, if you're, I don't know, in Spain, if you're back going to the gyms and uh, some of us are here, some of us are not, but it's like when you go to the gym and they offer different kinds of workouts, aerobic and uh, things for your abs and things with balls and things with music and things with machines. And you have to figure out what, what's good for you and what do you feel like on a given day? And it's like that with mindfulness. I mean, I'd say the first tip is uh, figure out what you 
what works for you. Is it focusing on your breath? Is it, um, as we said earlier today, sounds? Is it looking at a visual object? Is it walking and feeling your feet on the ground? What kinds of formal practices work for you? And then I would say, start slow. If you, you aren't that familiar with uh, mindfulness or you, you don't have much time, a lot of people say, I'm too busy to meditate or my mind is too busy. I can't, I have a monkey mind, I can't. Well, this is not unique. We all have a monkey mind. And we all have the 24 hours in a day. So it's really about, as Sharon Salzberg would say, uh, it is about believing that you're worth 12 or 15 minutes a day. Start right there. And the research we have, uh, and of course, there's new, there are new studies all the time, but we know that the sweet spot in terms of, well, how long should I meditate to have a benefit, to see the effects? Probably 12 to 15 minutes a day. Um, the, I believe the work of Amishi Jha at the University of Miami, she's done a lot of work with um, our vets and their families. And uh, I believe the, um, the daily dozen is what uh, a lot of her research confirms. What we don't know is, is it uh, the same if I sit for 12 minutes versus two six minute sessions? or pay attention for one minute, 12 times. These are all things that, that we are looking at. But the first thing I would say is pick something that works for you. And another part of that would be when. Some of us are morning people. So maybe that's your time. If you're a morning person, don't make your job so hard and try to meditate at night. So figure out what, it work, uh, what works for you Another tip is to attach your practice time to something that you always do. One of my workshops a few uh, uh, years ago, uh, at one of my workshops, one of the, uh, I always ask the um, participants before they leave, we have a full day workshop, and then before they leave, I say, okay, what is your plan? And one woman said, well, I have a pet lizard named Ruby and every morning I have to turn off her light and every night I turn it on. So when I touch the switch, that reminds me to sit down and to do my practice. So I think, especially in the lives of busy women, as we've been discussing, we all have long to-do lists. We probably don't even look at them anymore. Uh, we can get to that point. But I think in the, in the press of our days, not having another to do, but stapling it or attaching it to something else that you will do without fail, that can help a lot of us. Or if you have a commute on a bus or a subway, that could be your time. All your practices and tips are very grounding. And I think that is also so interesting that our podcast is actually happening on the earth day yes right is, not, is, is that not not just wonderful because because my husband reminded me he said oh you must post something on on social media about earth day and then i saw also your post you are in between those long um, 
icy, I don't know, stuff, <laughs> right? Icicles. So it was a frozen yes. waterfall. Yes. Yes, in our Smoky Mountains in, um, uh, in the eastern United States, in the states of uh, Tennessee and, and North Carolina. Yes, yeah, so we must, uh, must not forget that we are part of the earth. And um, I think if we remember that we connected to nature, it's just going to help us practice the mindfulness because the nature reminds us how to do it because nature does not put effort <laughs> into that it's just flow and just being so beautiful uh, my question goes now towards a little bit maybe different subject maybe not really i would like to ask you about inner critic and I know that many women has that uh, little critic inside. We're never good enough. We have these issues with self-worth and uh, yes, and the, the judging ourselves uh, that we are not perfect and how mindfulness can help us or maybe there's any special practice to let this not shut down the inner critic, but maybe build a better relationship with it. That's right. And there, uh, the, the answer is built around the relationship that we want to create with ourselves in this case. Um, I, in uh, writing my book, uh, got to uh, learn a little bit more about um, something called our default mode network. And we have these midline circuits in our brain, which is where our narratives live, the story of I. And left to our own devices, we inhabit that space. But if we focus our attention and spend more time in the present, we activate our side sensory circuits. And so it's impossible then for our inner critic and our minds to keep spinning these stories. They become less. So I think it's very encouraging to think that our minds can support us in this. We can learn and we can train our minds. And over time, the inner critic, we can recognize it faster. Uh, that is one of the beauties about presence are very few things that can be repaired, if you will, so quickly. The moment, if you are trying to focus, the moment you realize that your mind has wandered or you're thinking you're regretting something, you're criticizing yourself, that's the moment you're already back, that split second. So again, it's back to inhabiting these states of presence and that will become a trait over time and that can transform our baseline way of being so beautiful <laughs> i so enjoy and i think it's so on spot um this conversation because many of us need to stay in this in this presence but also many of us need to understand that it's normal that our brain will wander our brain will go there and that and saying uh, how to shut my brain, how to stop brain, how to stop thinking, that is never possible. It's only maybe we can 
maybe this is this sensation can be less less right. noisy around i i think that mm. is very important and spot on uh, point because as mindfulness is is becoming more trendy right there are many theories what is mindfulness and how mindfulness practice um should look like that that's fantastic uh caroline the gift of presence guides its readers in becoming more resilient and centered, even when life is throwing all that it has at us. That is your, your amazing book that I suggest to anyone and everyone and any women and men can also read it. Um, what drive, what was drive behind for you to write this book and tell us a little bit more, what is this book about? How, how can help us and one every, why everyone should buy it? Well, uh, the, I think this would be a good time to circle back to the poem we started with, The Guest House by Rumi. Because as the poem suggests, every day is a new beginning. And we can't anticipate what we might experience or we might feel. But feeling shame, feeling sadness, feeling fear, feeling happiness, joy, calm. All of these things are part of our experience. So if we can come to embrace them as if they belong, this is what one of the main reasons I wanted to write this book and make it as accessible as I could so that we could all come to embrace what Kristen Neff uh, so beautifully describes in her work on self-compassion, our common humanity. No, you know, of course, we all, uh, to come to understand as humans, we all have our challenges. We all have our disappointments. It's so easy, especially with social media, to look at the shiny posts of someone and, and, and feel terrible. The, the meal you had last night was perfect until you read about what someone else had. So this, this staying the course, being present, and uh, trying to manage our relationship with the inner critic. All the things we're talking about today are things that serve us well. And uh, the, um, the other, you mentioned nature and this is Earth Day. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think we spend less and less time outside or outdoors. And I'm very happy to see a revival uh, in the United States now. Um, for example, we are getting more connected to nature. We are valuing our national and state parks. Uh, we also have uh, more and more persons interested in forest bathing, which I know originated in Japan, but there are many training programs now, uh, including around Europe. And I think nature is another very good window for us, a wonderful practice. And for any of your viewers who or your, your listeners who are interested, I am actually going to lead with Dr. Adriana Copeland uh, a retreat on mindfulness and forest bathing in the forest in the south of France in a few months. So um, I, I will let you know about the details of that, but I just want to underscore the importance of our connecting with our nature. And I think, uh, thankfully, now all of us realize that we're, we're, the time is limited 
in terms of appreciating our nature and making sure we make changes that can preserve our nature for future generations. Yes, and um, one thing uh, when you said, uh, Caroline, um, you were saying something and I just quickly connected myself to, um, I think you were talking about meals. Yes, about meal. And uh, one day you, you eat something and then the next day you see the beautiful meal taken on Snapchat, on Instagram, and then you're referring back to yourself. And I think all what you're saying is so relevant to this um, uh, health and wellness and what we think of health, what we think of our body, because also women are very judgmental towards themselves around the body. I should look better. I would be better looking that way, that way, losing one kilo, another kilo, then eating less of this, eating more of that. And that is what I also see in my practice. And despite doing some nutritional therapies and trying to help uh, at the root cause um, of what's happened with their body, why they presenting those symptoms. I always refer back, just um, try to find that moment of being in a present with yourself because, and your body, because your body will not want to change if you don't accept what you actually are in that moment. The, exactly. The, have you got any reflections and any kind of, as a last question, like a tip for anyone, uh, any woman who struggle with weight loss, with their body, with their judgment towards themselves, how they look? Have you got any kind of mindfulness suggestion for them? Yes, I think, um, and, and there is um, more and more uh, research on um, perhaps a, a lot of promise with an, a mindfulness practice and becoming aware of um, the eating. And that, that has been, um, over time, I think will, will be a very promising uh, area. And I think the thing with, um, as, you're, as you're suggesting, uh, the perfectionism that women often suffer from or these social cues that we're surrounded by about an ideal body. I think a focus on a healthy body, grateful for the strength of my body. We all have different, uh, you know, hair, different body size, different bones. I mean, we've sort of lost track of an appreciation. Uh, you as an athlete know the strength of your body and what you can do. Uh, and we don't all look the same and there is no one uh, prototype, but somehow uh, we have uh, received so many messages in media about this and they've been quite harmful, um, especially for, for young, young girls. So I think that uh, the mindfulness practice, the awareness, the appreciation, being grateful, gratitude is such an amazing practice for us. And I think if we can appreciate what our bodies can do and uh, what our minds can do, this will take us a long way in being more satisfied. And uh, I also like to um, remind, uh, remind um, the, the persons in my workshop that uh, comparison is the thief of all joy. So if you can think of the fact that uh, it's really about what, what is it 
that has is making me happy and and what is it that's carrying me through the days and not be so consumed by what someone else may look like or have said or have done this can bring to us a, a very centered uh, calm and presence caroline how can we find you where are you on this social media world and online world? Well, I, um, I am, uh, I, first of all, I have a website, carolinewelch.com, my, um, my name. And then um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. My handle on Insta is um, Caroline W. Author. And on Facebook, it's um, Caroline Welch Author. And... Um, and uh, on uh, Twitter, uh, actually, it's Caroline Welch author on Insta, and on Twitter, it's Caroline W author. So those are the places. All of those are on the site, and uh, I really um, I hope we can continue the conversation. Uh, I am establishing presence groups around the world, and that is set up on my website. So if you're interested, just go there. You'll see the groups, and you hopefully will will create or join one. Fantastic. For sure, I will check this up. Thank you so much for sharing. You must send me uh, the informations about uh, France. I understood France, right? Europe. Yes, your yes. neighbor. Good. Your neighbor. Good. That's why, I, that's why I must know about this. Thank okay, you once we're... again for uh, coming, sharing, um, adding to um, our well-being, to well-being of our audience, to expansion of our body, mind and our spirit and our uh, beautiful uh, energy that we all have inside. And always my goal is to impact everyone who listens so they transform themselves and they live in the way they want to live and they spend the best time on the earth before they go wherever they go, whatever religion tells them to do. Thank you so much once again, Caroline. And um, I would like to invite you all to uh, obviously listening this uh, this beautiful podcast. Also, uh, next time I'm going to talk to Emily Anger, and we're actually going to discuss female body, female weight loss, and uh, I think that is so much related to what you said, Caroline, as well. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here today.